Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. Hey, it's Johnny King. Welcome to another episode of The Johnny King Show. And once again, I have an amazing friend in the home studio, Lundell Jackson. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. And by us, I mean me. Me and yes, you. Yes, me and you. You and I. And the photographer, videographer, Cody. What's up, man? <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're casually sitting here. We're about to have a little partay yes. of, uh, of men here over the house. We're going to eat some food and have some healthy conversation about race, which I'm so grateful that you are going to be on the panel with two of my other incredible brothers, Rashawn and Cedric, who will be here tonight as well, talking about race, um, healthy conversations about race for our next meeting of men. So thank you for being here. My pleasure. It's just fun to have you sit down. We've had a lot of a lot of good conversations, and I just thought, you know what? Shoot, we should sit down and, and put this on. So I appreciate the courage too, because this is not always super uh, – comfortable sometimes but um, you're cozy quite happy <laughs> yes <laughs> as i get perched in this chair yeah exactly well why don't you if you don't mind uh fill myself and all the all the millions and millions of listeners and viewers in <laughs> on uh just your background your your life story in yeah in, two minutes in just, two minutes just wrap it up with a bow i was born and now i've lived how's that <laughs> thank you um, let's see. So I, uh, am a, uh, native of Colorado, mm. um, six generations by my matrilineal line. Um, so that means, uh, my mother's 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 mothers, mm. uh, were born here in Colorado or the Colorado territory, the area of Colorado. Yeah. Um, that also means I'm of mixed race background, but, um, most of the world, uh, sees me as black. Um, and I was pretty much socialized as black, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Anywho, um, born and raised um, as a single uh, only child um, in a single parent family home for the most part, um, raised in my mother's family, um, who really kind of um, struggled with identifying with any sort of race because uh, they were native and Mexican and Puerto Rican, and so they... Uh, and it was in the 50s, which and they were born and grew up, uh, and so they took a great effort in passing a lot. And um, in, in Park Hill, where it was, um, well, in their part of Park Hill, and they, as they socialized, it was an imperative for their social upbringing and such. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, grew up and in a fairly abusive home, um, my biological father is a paranoid schizophrenic, um, that my mother left and she married my stepfather who, um, was physically and emotionally abusive to her. Mm. Um, but she did a fabulous job. If I do say so myself of raising me, uh, I went to graduated from East high school, went to Morehouse college for a few years, um, came out there. Um, discovered myself and a few other things, um, 
that same time, during those three years, my grandmother died, my mother's mother, uh, my grandfather died, my mother's father, and then my mother shortly died. Um, so those were three deaths in, in a row. Um, what was the last one? Sorry, your, your mother My, my mother. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, yeah. And um, so I came back to Denver in 97 and um, have kind of just, I won't say muddled along, but I've, you know, have tried to identify who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, my mother's family is here. My father's family is here. Um, but because of the, 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 the friction that came up after my grandfather's death, I've really kind of isolated from my father or my mother's side of the family. Mm. Um, and because I didn't grow up with my father's side of the family, um, I don't really know them. Mm. And because their, their life is so much different than mine, I, I, I don't know really how to connect with them. And um, so I, I'm not an orphan, but I feel much like an orphan. Um, and for various social reasons, I don't, um, I don't socialize very well with other people, um, and particularly men. Um, and so I, I find myself to be kind of an isolated person. Um, so I'm married now to a man. Uh, we have, we had five animals. Now we have three, um, and three dogs. They graduated college and left the house, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, June, this past June, last month was a, a bad month. Uh, we lost both of our cats um, uh, two weeks apart from each other. Uh, and But my life is not full of tragedy. Um, I mean, I've, I'm a fairly successful person by my own definition of such. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just... I'm 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 overall happy despite all these other things that I've just rattled off. Yeah, yeah. Well, you seem happy. You've mm-hmm. got a you've got a great and a very infectious kind of energy about you, uh, which I appreciate. And, and <clears throat> it was fun because we we connected over Meetup, mm-hmm. right? Initially. Yep. I think we went back and forth a little bit, and and what I loved about you was just always your your vulnerability, your courage in being vulnerable and being like, you know what. This meeting of men sounds interesting, but I'm a little skeptical. What is this all about? You know, um, and I think, again, straight or gay, you know, black or white, everything in between. Walking into a a group of men is uncomfortable for me too, right? It's uncomfortable for I hear that from most guys that are coming and, and showing up for the very first time, you mm-hmm. know. But since then, you've showed up. Then you've been doing. Um, volunteer stuff with us obviously you're here tonight here mm-hmm. on the podcast which i so appreciate so yeah you've got a lot of courage in you for sure but we we got into some good conversations just given all the uh blm and the the deaths and all the recent things um going on obviously in the news and <clears throat> i know we talked at one point and you were pretty fired up and a big part of why we're sitting here right was because i was like well let's let's figure out because let's figure out a healthy way of getting your emotions out, right? Rather than getting so angry and bottling up, which just men in general, we have a bad habit of doing, right? Mm -hmm. People in general, right? And we bottle up and then it becomes a pressure cooker and then we pop. And whether we pop at our spouse or our, you know, our loved ones and friends, like a lot of times it's the the friendly fire, the people that don't deserve it. Yeah. Because we're not healthfully processing what's going on. Mm -hmm. So um, thanks for the, the kind of the backstory, which... Quite frankly, we could do an entire podcast on that because I'm so curious. 
So maybe that'll be dinner conversation. But I do want to talk about um, just your experience being, uh, like you said, even though you're mixed of mixed races, mm-hmm. you're seen as black, um, having grown up. And, and you came out when? I was 18. 18. Mm-hmm. That you know that transition is a whole. That's a whole other conversation too. I don't know exactly what, where we want to go with this, except uh, everywhere. Every let's go <laughs> everywhere with it. Uh, and if we had four hours, I really would like to do that. So perhaps you can come back and we can do a part B, sure. part C. Um, but what? I guess the, the the great thing that I'm so grateful to you and the rest of uh, of the men in the community that I've been trying to nurture here in Denver is that. Again, I'm perfectly, uh, perfectly, imperfectly transparent in the sense that I don't know, or I know that I don't know a lot, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to race. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I just grew up in that white privileged bubble of the Midwest in mm-hmm. St. Louis and um, had that one or two token black friends in, col- in high school and college, and but never really thought to even ask them anything, you know, so... I am probably similar to a lot of people who might be listening who are like, I just don't even know what to ask, you know? So that would be one of my first questions is um, what are those? Cause I think I've noticed there's people that are coming to me who are of lighter skin saying like, I don't even know what to ask to get the conversation started. I don't want to, I'm walking on eggshells. You know, I don't want to say something that's offensive. Um, And yet then I have, my black friends who are like, well, why is it always on us to have to educate? Why is yeah. it always on us to like do like we've been fighting and we've been doing it and now like you do the work, you know, mm-hmm. but a lot of times I, I do know myself and I'm like, I don't even know where to begin. So what are some of those initial questions that I think that, that are there any initial questions that can help people of lighter skinned talk to people of darker skin to have healthy conversations around race in general without being offensive and things like that? Well, I think it, for me yeah. now, and and that's the that's the first place to start is understand to whom you're talking. Yep. I mean, you just can't walk out to any black or brown person and say, "Hey, do you want to start to have this race True. talk?" True. Yep. You have to really know who it is that you're speaking to, or know, and and what that relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's really about just this is where the vulnerability comes. Mm-hmm. And it's not about what to ask. It's just asking mm. and having the courage to be vulnerable in yeah. that ask yeah. and saying, let me back up and asking, can I ask you this question mm-hmm. and being really okay with being told no, mm-hmm. because it's it, to the point of we as people of color, we as black people, we as black men are tired of always having to have these conversations. Yes. Um, you know, I just had a, a conversation with a, a female friend of mine earlier about this conversation today, and we were laughing and talking about it. And I joked with her. I said, God, this having this conversation was just exhausting enough. Mm-hmm. And it, but it, because it, it brings up so much yeah. of all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we are talking about whatever that topic is, we are triggered emotionally and physically, um, psychologically. Yep. And because we're triggered, 
we have to control that so that we don't come across as the angry black person as we attempt to educate you in love. Um, and we realize that when we share this information, more than likely, you will be triggered psychologically, emotionally, and or physically. Yeah. And we have to receive that and prepare to receive that and absorb it and help you deal with it. Right. Or not. That's our choice, really. Right. right. Um, so it's setting that container. Mm -hmm. It's setting that container of, you know, who is it that we're asking the question to? Um, asking permission, you know, can we have that talk? You know, and, and, it's, and it's not, you know, let's go for and have a good time. Let's have a few drinks or beers. Oh, hey, you want to have a race discussion tonight? Yeah. No, that's, that's probably not the way to do it. Right. It's kind of being methodical and planning, you know, like tonight. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, hey, three days from now, let's have an intentional conversation around race. Mm -hmm. I don't expect you, black or brown person, to facilitate and lead and chair this conversation. Me, as a non-black person, I'll come up with some questions, and I would love for you to kind of guide the conversation. Mm -hmm. Be our fact checker mm -hmm. of sorts, mm -hmm. our referee of yeah. sorts, yeah. Um, and... And, 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 see how they, and see how that person feels about it. I mean, I can only speak for myself. Um, and, that's the, and that's another piece is that all of us have a very different experience. Um, I, and that's because of the intersectionality of it all. And I hate that word, but it's, it's a word. And it's a, it's, it's a real thing. Um, you know, I come at it as a mixed, light-skinned, gay, black man raised by a, a woman who was mixed, you know, blah, 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 blah. And all these different check boxes, you know, put me in a particular way of being treated through the world. Whereas someone that doesn't have those same check boxes mm -hmm. and how their families treated differently, which allowed them to be treated differently, um... And so when you put us both in the same room, when you ask one situation, we'll both respond very differently, which is another com topic of conversation in and amongst itself of, you know, what is the true experience of black people? Um, and that's a conversation we as black people need to have with each other to understand that, like many things, there's no true one side or the other that there's all this shade of brown mm -hmm. in the middle um but to that point is for myself you know i'm because this is something that i've always done and i've always been this person i'm an educator by by practice by education and just by avocation um and so i'm more than willing to have these conversations at the drop of a hat. Mm -hmm. Other people that I know, not so much. Right. Um, so it's really just about how the person, who the person is and how they're willing to engage with you. The exhaustion though that you speak of, which, you know, I, I had kind of a, an episode this past weekend myself, unrelated to, to race, just being exhausted of being a guy and, mm -hmm. or being alone and just constantly like, so we all, I think that's, 
part of the human experience is like what are we doing here you know and <laughs> which might be part of the question or part of the underlying question correct me if i'm wrong the, the is the exhaustion that you mentioned feeling even earlier today based in like we keep having these conversations but is there any progress or what's the exhaustion founded in I think it is that. I think it is we continue to have these conversations and there is no progress. Or we continue to have these conversations, but you, listener, still behave the same way. Or you, the listener, still believe that you have a different answer. Or you still believe that it is something else. Right. Um, or you just don't listen to me. Right. Um, or they check the box because they've listened to you and then they feel good for the day. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Yeah. Right. And, and and as I said to my friend today, you know, as I get older, there's this crotchety old black man inside of me that says, God damn it. <laughs> you God should already it. know this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, why? And it is to the point. Why are, why are we having this conversation? Yeah. You are old enough to know better. Yeah. Yeah. I think that and I think that's valid. And I I think there's part of it where as as this has come up, I'm like, you're you're right. I should, but I don't. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Not to shame myself for it, but doing what I can to, to educate myself, which is a big part of why I'm, like I said, just getting a lot of good guys together tonight and having the meeting of men. And even last month, I thought meeting men was really powerful too. Um, but just keeping this at the forefront and not just letting it die out mm -hmm. and wait till another innocent guy gets killed, right? For yep. things to, it's just like, how many times are we going to see the, the cyclical behaviors done and until something changes, you know? <clears throat> um, but I think that's, it's a big, yeah, it's a big conversation to have. And I think it, it overwhelms people with like, I don't know, I don't know what to do to change it. And I think it has to be broken down to what can you do as an individual? Because mm -hmm. it seems like such a big systemic issue yeah. mm -hmm. that it is overwhelming. We're like, oh, I can't do anything to change it. But that is the problem. Yeah. That right there, that thought is why it perpetuates mm -hmm. inaction, right? Yeah. I mean, because I'm a nerd like that, I mean, I, it's, it's, you know, I, I, when I was thinking about it today and I break it down kind of, there's this thing in program planning called a logic model. Mm. Um, and to prove efficacy in towards the end of a logic model, you know, the evaluation metrics, and we look at short-term, mid-middle, or mid-term and long-term outcomes that produce impact, total impact. And the short-term outcomes are those things that happen with that individual thing, that individual person, or that well, it's typically the person. And those are the things that happen to my beliefs, that individual person's beliefs. And that's what we're really trying to change right now, um, is that individuals are changing their personal thought patterns, their personal beliefs. They're working to educate themselves. Yeah. And that moves to the midterm goals. Mm -hmm. And the midterm goals happen when those individual people, because they've made that change, they're now going out into their communities and making community changes. And so that looks like, you know, what's happening at the legislature and, uh, well, no, actually, those are long-term changes. So there's, they're, they're now actually going into 
um, their neighborhoods and getting more people to have these conversations and they're um, creating groups and they're, you know, just more spreading the word and getting more people involved outside of themselves and their families. And then the long-term change, which is what we're all hoping for and wanting really is the systemic change, the legislative change, the systems change. Um, and that's brings about the total impact. Um, and so when someone says that this is just too big for me, well, yeah, we don't expect you single person to go write a new law or go sit in, you know, um, some council and do something there unless you want to what we want you to do what i want you to do is challenge your beliefs when true experience and this is one thing that i know i have to work on because bias happens two ways um when when i see a white woman there's an elevator the old elevator analogy. Yes. <laughs> when there's an elevator um, and either I'm getting on it or she's getting on it, um, inherently, I just cringe. I get all tight. I just get nervous. And or she grabs her purse and pulls it tight to her because it's it's just a reaction that both of us have just learned over time. To change that, we both have to be very conscious yep. of that action and to release that action and recondition ourselves to not do that. Mm-hmm. Because I so want to get angry and say something and she may want to get angry and scream or whatever, but we have to recondition that. And that's the change where that's the change that needs to happen. That's the only thing I think right now, well, I shouldn't say that because there's lots of things we're wanting right now. But as for the individual who says that it's so big, I can't make any change. It is that one piece of how do I react when I see a person of color? What is the thought that happens that crosses my mind when I see that person of color? What is my bias? Mm -hmm. If I say, and this is a huge one, I don't see color. I'm colorblind. That is a huge trigger. Because you cannot see someone and not see their color. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. Because of, and when you see them and you say you're colorblind, what are you really thinking? Why do you not want to see their color? And so those, those are, I mean, those are things that individuals really need to begin to work on to, to go to a, and will never be a post-racist world. I mean, racism will always exist. It's how well can we get along I mean, quite honestly mm-hmm. well and i think this one i mean so much of of what i've noticed over the years too in, in regards to kind of piggyback on that is people say well i don't i'm non-judgmental i'm i don't judge you know i don't want them to feel judged and it's like ultimately i feel like we as human beings are built to judge you know mm-hmm. it was what keeps us from harm's way should I cross out, of, you know, go across traffic there? Can I make it? You know, what's the risk versus reward? Like we're constantly judging, judging situations. But then how, you know, to look at maybe how our implicit biases are creating f- false judgments or radical judgments that like for her to clutch her purse, like if she knew you, like, what? No. 
why would she be why would she be afraid of you and yeah. vice versa why are you cringe like all that stuff that you're right it's kind of a lot of it is built into us from past generations or just from whatever, whatever, whatever. so i think you're absolutely right i think it's it's getting through that which is to not say oh i don't see color or i'm colorblind as if maybe that uh releases you of all responsibility you know mm-hmm. but to say no this is how this is how we are it's, it's all beautiful but how do we uh, ultimately, like you said, all get along, right? Yeah. Easier said than done. Totally. But I, but I do feel like it's our responsibility. I mean, all of us alive and in this country have a part to play in racist America. Mm-hmm. Regardless of where we are mm-hmm. and if we care to acknowledge it or not, it's a fact of the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, we, If we went to school finished school or even didn't finish school if we went to school and we are a functioning adult and I use that term loosely (laughs) (laughs) right we all have prejudice bias and I'm gonna get you know dagger and hate mail but to some degree racism or racist and I believe Specifically, you know, despite the technical definition of racism, Mm -hmm. people of color can be racist, Mm -hmm. particularly against other people of color. Mm -hmm. And I'll leave that there for another conversation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I did hear that, that black people can't be racist to go into that whole conversation. We won't. But uh, just, again, very, because I was reading uh, White Fragility and just was like, again, it's like so interesting for me to be educating myself about these things that really, I don't know. It's just like, wow, this is Pandora's box in, in a good way. It actually excites me because I'm like, this. I know this will allow me to be even more empathetic and uh, a more humble, empathetic leader going forward, which I think is what we all can can be, you mm-hmm. know, but and have this challenge uh, out there. I was going to ask you, I mean, <clears throat> I guess the question sometimes even arises like, why even have this conversation? Why do we even have to have a conversation about race? You know, because you see what happens since we don't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's like not talking about that uncle who lives in the attic that's chained to the wall. <laughs> we hear him rattling around up there, and everyone's like, oh, "Something's up there." No, there's right nothing up there. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's if you know, so not now. talking about it is not going to make it go away. Right. It only is going to make it worse. Right. Um, and the more we talk about it, I mean, it, it's, it's like talk therapy. Yeah. I mean, we have to, we as Americans or United States citizens have to come to terms with our ugly past. We yeah. can't continue to think that all of us, no matter what shade we are, right. that we just came to these shores and just have been the gift to this continent. Yeah. I mean, that's just the furthest thing from the truth. Foundation of freedom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, period. I mean, we it, it, it needs to be discussed. We need to, I mean, what just came to my mind was just that very trite comment of set, what, the truth shall set you free. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it, I mean, it's true. I mean, if once you, once, I know in my life when I've had to, you know, realize that I was a, an addict 
and when I was depressed or when I was, you name the bad things that resided inside of me. And when I had to admit to those, I felt free, Mm. you know, letting that ugly crap just leave me. Um, And these are things that we need to talk about and pretending like they don't happen and they haven't happened and they're not institutionalized in all the systems that we have. Um, it's just not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not good. And it's just going to perpetuate and get even uglier. But I love what you said too. And I think that's, that's, it, it truly is. It's, it's where we start. It's with ourselves. You know, the, the book that I'm writing is kind of like, I've got three different spheres. And the first sphere is all about your own personal beliefs, your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health. But like nothing else can change above that. Mm-mm. unless that changes and it's the same type of thing it's like that's and it's really not that challenging to you know go buy a book you know or to uh watch a netflix documentary or to have a conversation and i think that's that is the challenge that has been the challenge truthfully for me you know in the past is that i just haven't had any black friends to to put a face to the pain mm-hmm. put a face to the otherwise it was always just like oh cnn on the other side of the, the TV screen. Mm-hmm. And it's just very easy to desensitize desensitize ourselves, especially with everything that we see on social media. There's a party that's kind of like, uh, is that really? What? Like, you just, there's so much of us that I feel like, I'll just speak for myself, just like a lot of lack of trust with what I see. So unless I have these conversations, which certainly takes effort mm-hmm. and planning, but then I'm not going to, I'm part of the problem if, if I'm not part of the solution. Opening myself to more hate mail, there's, uh, it's, it is similar to um, gay marriage. You know, the more, you know, the gay community could not accomplish what we accomplished by ourselves. Mm. We needed to, we needed allies, mm. straight allies. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until more people realize that they knew a brother, sister, aunt, uncle, mother, father, cousin, best friend, twice removed, that was gay and loved someone and was being discriminated against Mm -hmm. that they then changed their mind. Now, it's easier to not know that someone is gay because that's just not something that you can just see. And that, you know, you can grow to know someone and be in relationship with someone and then they they tell you that they're gay. And then you yourself have to really kind of rearrange your thinking about, oh, is this person changed or, you know, no, this is really someone who I know and love. And so there's nothing different about them. And, oh, laws are, 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 are wrong and, and, and they are just, they're just like me. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to something that I can see, mm-hmm. I can... First thing, I can put up a wall and say, I don't ever have to be around that person. I don't ever have to create a relationship with someone that looks different than myself. And one thing that I do, which is probably a personality defect of my own, is I, when I get a friend request from people on any social media, I look at their friends. I look at their friends to see how many people of color they have, because that tells me volumes about them. If they have no people of color. I'm like, why do you want me to be in your feed? What are you trying to get at? Mm-hmm. 
you have absolutely no frame of reference for having relationship with me. Am I going to be your token? What's really going on? Right. And then I further challenge individuals to look at their spheres of influence. Look at the people that you socialize with. How many people of color do you have in your family, friends, and what have you? It's easier to say or dislike an other when you don't ever have to socialize or look at the other. Yep. It's much easier to demonize those people if you never ever have to be around or be in contact with those people. Right. And the more individuals that you know live in some place where they don't have to see people that don't look like them, you know, it's, it's, um, how do I say? It's just, again, being repetitive. It's just much easier for them to say those people. And they've already created this, um, this persona of what they believe particularly black people do yeah. and what they look like, particularly those that live in the city because they don't live in the city um, or they live in an enclave in the city in a covenant controlled community. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, or they handpick individuals that they see like those that they come to work with, uh, you know, that, you know, that are, very different or that are the exception to the rule or what have you. Um, and so I just, you know, it's, so it's very important to get out of those circles and meet people. Um, you know, my husband is white and that is up until I met him, I swore that I would never date anyone outside my race. Damn him. Damn him broke through the, <laughs> the armor he did um but i'm happy he did yeah. yeah i'm happy he did but it goes to show i mean i've had those things too like oh especially when it comes to let's just say progress mm -hmm. progress oftentimes will will look completely different than what we think it's going to look like and it will challenge our <laughs> prejudices or our uh, our boxes, you know, like, mm -hmm. Oh no, it's, you know, this or that. Um, but it makes me also think of what you were saying before is like, and I think I've mentioned it in a previous podcast. It's just, it's, it's extremely easy to hate from afar. It's also extremely easy to kill from afar. Like we do from military, you know, drones and everything else. And that gets really scary. It's, it's so much more challenging to hate up close. Right. Um, and I think it's one of those things where, that is a big part of why this has hit me in such a different way. And I have so much more because I love you. I love all the guys that are coming over tonight. All the, all the guys in general, every, like I said, shade of skin color that I've met that I'm so grateful to have as friends here in Denver and around the world. But it does make it a lot more impactful because of, again, your courage to make your way into my circle of influence you know, and then just to be you. But then I can see how much it's important for me to continue to open up my sphere of influence and, and keep welcoming in anyone and everyone, you know, because mm -hmm. I think that's the, the beauty of life and it makes it so much more, um, let's just say, impactful to, to know the pain 
and the frustration and the exhaustion of my brothers because then I can feel that and be like, man, this ain't right, you know? Where before, again, it was just like, okay, well, yeah, another guy got killed mm-hmm. in L.A. or St. Louis or where it's like – and that, that right there of kind of like nonchalantly just kind of, well, this will all blow over. What's the next hashtag movement, right? Yeah. But all of them are – they're going to keep coming up, mm-hmm. right, um, until they – until they're addressed and I'm just so grateful to have had a, a quick conversation. I wish we could have gone a little bit longer. We'll obviously keep talking over dinner mm-hmm. um, and on Monday night, but thank you for being here. Thank you for my pleasure shedding your light on, uh, on me and on those that are listening and viewing. Um, and if you have any hate mail, send it to me. <laughs> oh, I can handle it. Yeah. We'll do it together. <laughs> But thank you again so much for being here. Really appreciate you. Definitely. Yeah. All right, you guys. Uh, thanks again for tuning in and looking forward to checking in with you on the next episode. Until then, have an amazing day. Take care. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.